Welcome to the High Reliability Podcast, presented by Goslin Martin Associates. I'm your host, Peter Martin, president of Goslin Martin Associates. The High Reliability Podcast is focused solely on the healthcare facility management professional, and it's sponsored by the Career Hub. You can link to the Career Hub off the Goslin Martin Associates main webpage. So if you haven't checked out the Career Hub yet, please do so. I also encourage you to, one of the things that I never do on these podcasts, as you may know, we do the podcast, we do education, but we also do recruiting. And so I just wanted to mention, we have a couple open jobs now, a couple open jobs coming down the pike. But if you go to our website off Goslin Martin Associates, you'll see we're presently uh, recruiting for a director of the environment of care at UC Health in Cincinnati. That's University of Cincinnati Health. We have a director role that we just opened up in Madison, Indiana. That's a director of FM and safety at King's Daughters Health. And then we also have a director of FM right up the street here at Franciscan Children's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. So check out those opportunities. We probably have a couple more coming down the pike, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. The job market uh, is an interesting one these days. It's it's opening back up. So we're not here to talk about that, though. But what we are here to talk to and, and who we welcome to the podcast is Justin Givens, Justin is Director of Facility Services at Sun Behavioral Health in Erlanger, Kentucky. Justin has uh, the distinction he is the first healthcare healthcare facility management professional who we've talked to who comes out of the behavioral health world. Justin uh, sent me an email a couple of weeks ago, and he said this would be a good topic. And I said, you know what, Justin, you're right. So if you, like Justin, have an idea for a podcast, feel free to send me an email. Um, Always like to read what people are thinking, and if it's a good idea, we'll have you on. Justin worked his way into management roles via the trades, so he has an interesting career path. He's also going to uh, graduate with his Associates of Arts and Sciences focused in healthcare facilities leadership from Owensboro Community and Technical College. He will earn that in next month, which is what, May of 2021. Justin worked in acute care prior to transitioning to behavioral health. So he's got a dual perspective. And within the last six years or so, his career path has seen him progressively move into management roles. So he's got a great evolution. Um, And we'll talk to him a little bit about that today, as well as behavioral health. Justin, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Peter. My pleasure. My pleasure. How, uh, How is the day down there? In Erlanger, Kentucky, is it warming up? Is it still a little chilly? What's it like? Yeah, well, I mean, it's Kentucky weather, so you know it's a little up and down right now. Our springs are, you know, we could, you never know, we could still have snow. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that. We are um, parts of up here, up in New England, may have snow on Friday, so hopefully not here in the Boston area. But you're right, spring is certainly uh, a transitional month. So. Justin, we'll move from the weather because we don't know a lot about that, or at least I don't. Let's talk about something that we probably a little more familiar with. Tell us a little bit about your career evolution, you know, trades, acute care health. Now you're in management role, behavioral health. Talk to us a bit about your career evolution and how it's evolved so far. Well, I'll start all the way back to my senior year in high school. Um, and, and what I'd done is I wanted to, I, I'd already picked out a sector and it was going to be healthcare. Um, and so I got in, um, to a vocational school and, uh, got certified. I was a, a CNA. Um, and I'd done that for about a year and a half and I decided I wasn't, uh, nursing wasn't for me. Um, so <laughs> what, 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 so, what was, what was it about nursing that wasn't for you? Well, you know, you, over time, you, you know, you, you get a little feedback from the nurses and, you know, a negative and positive. And, and I figured that I could be, you know, just as happy, if not happier, doing something else. Hmm. Um, so I ended up moving a different direction um, and it ended up um, being in maintenance. Um, so, you know, I started trying to find my path into maintenance. Um, and, uh, you know, when I started uh, diving into that, um, I didn't know at the time it was going to be healthcare. Um, I had some family that worked um, at a local hospital um, close to where I lived, and um, they seen a an email of a uh, mechanic position, and they told me to apply. So um, when I got when I got in there, it was a low paying entry role, uh, but they said, you know what, 
we don't have to talk to you about HIPAA much. You know, we don't have to, you know, tell you to knock on the doors. You know, we want to train somebody. So, um, you know, when can you start? So <laughs> and that was my that was my entry into healthcare facilities. I was, uh, you know, really, uh, really fortunate. Um, you know, some some folks did not have uh, quite a an, an easy um, or fortunate time getting into healthcare facilities. So, um, you know, thankful for that. Um, and then, then from there, uh, I progressed into, to more, um, larger, uh, technician roles and, and larger organizations. Um, let me, let me jump in. Just let me jump in for a sec. Um, so you trans, you transition on it's in, you know, I didn't realize that you had been uh, a CNA. I, I think that's a, you know, that's a great background heading into facilities. It's funny. I can, you know, I can think of a couple of people probably on one hand, one of them is CJ Brown, who I know is, who I know listens to this podcast. He's actually been on. CJ was a nurse who transitioned into a director of facility management role like you. And he's always said that that nursing background was helpful for him when he transitioned into facilities, did you find, or do you find that even working as a CNA, I think you said it was for a year and a half, whatever, but that CNA background, was that helpful for you? And is that helpful for you now in your facilities management world? Well, it's definitely helpful in behavioral health um, because, well, it's helpful, helpful anywhere. If you walk into a healthcare facility, you know, having that clinical background is helpful. Um, if not for anything else, you know, it's, it's for a broader understanding for, um, the hospital operations, um, and behavioral health. Um, there's a lot, you seem to get caught up in a lot more patient interaction. Hmm. Um, and, and so when you're walking through the units, you get a lot more patients coming up, interacting, um, (laughs) sometimes good, sometimes bad. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it's, it's beneficial to have that clinical background. Um, so it's helped me along in, in my, in my career path. You know, I didn't, um, have quite the learning curve to the environment. I know we're going to jump into it, um, a little bit talking about some of the difference between, <clears throat> excuse me, the behavioral health world and the acute care world, but you know, you talking about, um, you get caught up into a little bit more patient interaction, on the behavioral health side, what are some of the types of behavioral and or the patient interactions, excuse me, what are some of the patient interactions you have in the behavioral health world that you didn't necessarily have in the acute care world? Well, in the acute care world, you know, patients um, are pretty confined to their rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, where in here we have, you know, big milieus, um, we call them. Um, I never what do you call heard, them? didn't Mi- know what a milieu was until I started <laughs> behavioral health. <laughs> is that milieu that French word like M I L L I E I don't know I E U or something yeah, like yeah. that? So I guess it's I know how I to spell. Uh, That's I about mean, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, they said milieu. I had to ask what it was. So, <laughs> right. um, but you know, when you're walking through the units, you know, the patients are walking. You know, they're they're not in their rooms all day. You know, they're you know. We actually encourage them to get out of their rooms, you know, mm-hmm. and that's and it's a requirement in some of these programs, um, you know. Uh, so you're walking amongst patients more mm-hmm. often, um, and and a lot of a lot of that brings about interaction. Um, so, some of the interaction is very unique. You know, you run into patients with a suffer from psychosis and some of these you know other behavioral health elements and. You know, having like going back to to the clinical background, you know, it, it's it's very helpful. Yeah, yeah, no, I could see where it, um, I could see where it would be. So I had jumped in. You were talking about your career evolution. You're working in acute care. You're getting into larger organizations. You're getting into um, more complex mechanical roles. And then I jumped in. So if, could could you pick back up from there? You're you're working through. Um, you know you bigger hospitals still in acute care, then what happens? So um, at, at my last large acute care organization, um, I, I wanted to jump into that, you know, uh, management or supervisory opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I figured out that opportunity wasn't necessarily going to be there, um, I ended up finding 
um, a, a management role and sort of created that opportunity myself. Um, and it didn't get me out of healthcare. I was still in the healthcare sector, but I ended up being in senior living, which I did not enjoy. Um, so I did spend a lot of time in, uh, in, and, uh, you know, the assisted living, you know, uh, senior living, uh, stuff. What was it about um, the, what was it, Justin, about the assisted living, the senior living that you didn't enjoy? I could probably guess what it is, but what was it that, that you didn't enjoy? Well, senior living um, isn't there. It's hard to put my finger on it, but honestly, you know, as as we all know, what we do really revolves around you know our, our management plans and you know joint commission requirements, CMS requirements, and and in that other industry of of assisted living, um, it's not that way. So some of the processes um, are really. Uh, just ideas that are funneled through the top. And when you go to ask about why these processes are put in place or, well, they're just, they're, they're great ideas. We think they'll work. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I didn't like, I didn't like that, you know, cause on, on a moment's notice, you know, to flip the coin, you know um, what we do completely gets turned upside down. Yeah. So I didn't care for that. So luckily I didn't have, you know, any, any admiration, you know, to, to, to continue a career in that it, you know, it's for some, it's just not for me. Sure, sure. I had worked, um, we had built years ago prior to healthcare, I, we had a greenfield project um, and we built a senior living facility. It had components of independent living all the way up through assisted living, memory support, a healthcare center, kind of that whole continuum of senior living and senior care. And, and you're right. I mean, I found it was very different than um, you know, working in hospitals. And I was wondering if you might say some of it too was just the pace. I mean, you'd gotten used to your acute care world and now you're going into senior living and not that seniors move slower, but just the pace of healthcare. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes you're just slamming on the brakes compared to what you were used to. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you, you get that, you get that stop and go with a lot of the process changes yeah. yep. um, that, you know, that I spoke about. So, um, it's, it's, it can be very frustrating. So I like this environment much better, even though it's <laughs> the times much, much more challenging. Um, you know, yeah, I, did just, you, I just, I just, I reason with it much, much better. Did you, so you were, you know, you're working in the senior living role. You started to open yourself up to opportunities and you saw the, this behavioral health opportunity, this, this director role, is that how you found yourself, um, know into sun behavioral yeah, health yeah so um I, I seen a position and it was actually quite a distance away from me but i was ready to make that leap back into the accredited environment um i wanted to get out of senior living just as fast as i could um so uh i ended, <laughs> i ended up um applying for a director's role over at wellstone regional hospital and they're all the way in jeffersonville indiana Okay. Um, I live in Northern Kentucky. So it was about, uh, on a good day, it was about a 90 minute drive one way. So I was, I was in the car for, you know, almost, uh, for almost 200 miles, you know, yeah. daily. Uh, but I was, I was willing to make that leap, you know, gain that experience. Um, and at first I didn't know about behavioral health. I didn't know if it was for me. Mm-hmm. You know, at first I was a little worried about being a uh, quote unquote pigeonholed, um, and because I, I still had this idea that maybe I was going to get back into the, uh, you know, general hospital environment. Sure. Um, but, you know, after, you know, six or eight months, um, I, I found a spot in behavioral health. Um, I found that the challenges that are unique to uh, behavioral health um, that don't have a lot of answers, um, you know, when, when I go seeking some, uh, some advice or, or, you know, um, stuff like that. There's not oftentimes a whole lot of information out there and that's really what I'm drawn to. Um, so I've kind of found my, my, uh, my niche here. I've, I've, I like behavioral health, um, because it is challenging and, you know, there's, there's not, um, almost a clean slate for me, I guess. Um, and having that sort of mindset, um, even though behavioral health has been around forever. Yeah. Well, there's such a focus on it these days too. I mean, uh, you know, the the 
behavioral health facilities, they're closing and there's and and their closing as demand seems to be a you know getting higher and higher. So it's it I I gotta imagine it's a challenge for you every day. Um you Yeah. It, you know it's <laughs> with with COVID and 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 you know people being isolated, it it really has amped up the need for behavioral health services, mental services. Um and you know, I don't. I don't know any statistics on how many are closing. I, I know there's several that you know continue to open up, and and that's kind of that's kind of the void I see. Um, is yeah. we've got all these facilities that open up across the country, um, and and because of the services we offer, there's there's not a huge need for um, that background, or at least. Um, at least that's a perceived need that, that there's not, um, that's not there. Um, trying to find the white, white words here, Peter, but, um, um, I like my path. I can see others taking on the same path entry into FM, um, being in behavioral health because of all the new facilities. Um, you know, and a lot of these positions don't require, you know, five to 10 years or of experience or that they, they don't require a bachelor's degree. And a lot of those requirements are, are kind of slimmed down uh, sometimes to meet the staffing me- need. Um, I, you know, I think maybe there's a disconnect between um, the, the, the knowledge that these facilities require, um, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, I, I see this path being a lot more common. Well, it's interesting. I mean, just in listening to you talk, you know, we talk a lot of the times to candidates for jobs, but also we do a lot of career counseling. It's part of, you know, the role that I really like about it. You know, people will just call and say, what do you think? You're, you're really, you know, you're interesting in that you've got that nursing background, you know, your CNA background. Then you go into the trades and acute care you work yourself into management, but then you go over to senior living and then you don't like it. And now you're in behavioral health. You're almost hitting, and I say this in a good way, like you're, you're hitting all of those checkpoints and, fi- and getting the experience and finding what you like and ending up where you want to be. So it's like, you don't have, I demand you tell me, I don't want to speak for you. You know, your career path is such that you're experiencing lots of different things in Healthcare FM, and it allows you to say, okay, I do like this, and this is where I want to be. Is, is that what your career path has done for you? Because you've touched so many different areas. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's it's really been beneficial because I've been able yeah. to pull from all those different experiences from those, yeah. you know, multiple environments. Um, but, yeah, um, you know, I, I could see myself in an acute uh, well, this isn't a acute care facility here, but um, in that general hospital environment, you know, I could find myself enjoying that. Um, right. But that's not where I ended up, you know. Yep. So, um, in, in a way, I think you're correct. And what are you mentioned two things that I thought were interesting? Um, you had said, you know, where do you where do you go to get answers? You had talked about being in behavioral health. You don't have the the necessary, the necessarily the resources, the abundance of resources that you had when you're in acute care. Where do you go for answers when you need an answer relative to the behavioral health world? Well, I tell you the best, the the, the best option I've come by, you know, um, and, and that's from uh, other uh, facility management leaders who have been in behavioral health for a very long time. Um, so. I'm actually going to connect with some of the some of the leaders in the region. You know, uh, Our Lady of Peace. You know, uh, he's been there a very long time. I'm going to be talking to him. You know, so that that's what I have found to be most helpful. Because um, um, even even though some of these other organizations, are, you know, are, are fantastic, and you know, I do utilize them um, uh, for a lot of things. You know, like Ashy, I'm an Ashy member, mm-hmm. um, but there's not a whole heck of a lot in regards to behavioral health. Now you can look up behavioral health and it pulls up a lot of stuff like, you know, uh, doing risk assessments and, you know, in regards to, you know, ligatures, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but, um, th- there's not, there's not a lot, you know, um, you know, what, I'll give you an example here. 
And, and uh, it's something that, that, that we face all the time is, you know, so, so let's say we're, we're doing construction activities or about to do construction activities and we need to put, put in place an ICRA. Well, that's a risk assessment in itself, obviously. And, you know, sometimes that risk assessment brings on another risk assessment <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because of the, the, the materials that we use, you know, plastic barriers or even a solid barrier can sometimes create another risk to, you know, our population. You know, how yeah. do we do that? Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, you just throw your hands up and say, well, shoot, got to got to shut down the unit, you know. Um, so, so how do how do we how do we do these things? So we we have that, you know business sustainability, you know, how, how can we keep the unit open? How can we serve the community and still do these activities and, and do these things that, you know, that we're required to do? The, you know, I remember <clears throat> working in, in hospitals, one of the hospitals that I was working at, we had had a bad CMS, we had had a bad survey, um, and they really banged in, in the behavioral health unit part of the hospital, relative to the lig- the ligature and, and all the, you know, the risks. It, and that mindset, you know, changing kind of my, the mindset of the time from acute care into the behavioral health and ligature and just wherever you're looking, you know, trying to assess that. Is that a, is that, was that, is that transition? How do you make that transitional mindset into the behavioral health world coming from both senior living and the acute care, especially where obviously ligature should be is such an important, I mean, it's, that's the risk for you. Is that a difficult transitional mindset to make or how'd you go about doing that? I didn't find that the transition was, was difficult as far as understanding um, what was a ligature, um, Mm -hmm. what things to look for, you know, Um, it, it wasn't a hard transition for myself. Um, but what, what was a, a little tough was, um, you know, you can always point your finger at anything and call it a ligature. Yeah. You right. Know, if, yep. if, if, you know, right. if you can, uh, as you know, I'm not going to quote joint commission here, but you know, uh, joint commissions, you know, has, has better defined that for us. And I've used that, you know, as, as sort of in my assessments, you know, and talking to other, other leaders, you know, this is or is not a, a, uh, a ligature, you know, so, you know, is it sustainable, you know, is this a, a sustainable point, you know, yes, it, it has a, a looping uh, where you, a point where you can loop a material or a fabric through it, uh, but can you sustain it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've used that more than once um, to, to try to, um, you know, really make that hard decision on whether that, you know, what do we need to mitigate? Do we not need to mitigate? You know, <laughs> so th- that took me some, it took me a little bit of time. Um, but, you know, the doorknobs and, and you know, shower curtains, beds, uh, you know, uh, all those things, you know, light fixtures, that stuff was, was pretty obvious. What are some of the other challenges? You also said there are unique challenges in behavioral health. You talked about a big one at the very start of this discussion, talking about you know interactions with with patients. What are some other unique challenges in behavioral health that people may not think of or or know about? Well, I tell you, a, a challenge with me um, now, although understanding the ligatures and like we had just talked about it is is not hard to understand. But getting out of that acute mindset, you know, even though we're in the hospital, getting out of that acute mindset and getting into um, uh, the behavioral health facility um, is not as easy as it sounds, you know, because everything's different. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't Mm -hmm. push steam throughout our facility, you know, so our equipment's different. You know, um, a lot of, well, I say a lot of, um, but, uh, if I could imagine, you know, from what I've seen out, out there so far, you know, we don't have you know, a lot of air handlers within the building. We have rooftop units, you know, it's just everything looks a whole lot different. Um, and you got to take a different, almost hit the reset button on yourself a little bit um, and, and taking, you know, maybe, maybe for the first two weeks, three weeks, you know, do a, do a, uh, a building assessment and hit the reset button. 
um, that 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 was in itself was a little bit of a curb. That's a that's a good answer. Um, did you have and you gave a good did the answer self description? But do you have a um, do you have an example? You talked about doing the building assessment. You know, take that first two weeks, look at the building. Do you have an example of 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 an area where you had to do a reset? Maybe it was relative to air and HVAC components, electrical components. But where was one area um, in behavioral health that you had to do that reset coming out of the acute care world? Well, you know, the, the movement um, within within our facilities, and we're going. Huh. Uh, uh, that's different. You know, patients come down to a cafeteria. Well, <laughs> some with COVID, that's not been uh, that's not really been happening. But um, normally, um, yeah. you know, you have patients that go through a cafeteria. Don't really see that in in uh, general hospitals. It's all delivered. You know, they, they sit down in cafeterias, it's built into their program. So what's really different is, is, you know, the programs are, that are built in to these units. Um, you know, other differences, you know, are obviously, you know, built into, uh, design. Um, you know, our facility here was, was designed with, um, uh, patient safety and staff safety, um, being, being major hitters, you know, so we got these large milieus that, that you know, or that you can you can see right down the unit. Um, you've got you know that full full vision. There, there's not really a cubby for patients to get into, and you know, so so we were able to mitigate that risk with design. Um, and a lot of times, that's what ends up you know making our hospitals looking much different um, than than general hospitals. But um, you know. Equipment, building design, building elements, um, those are the major differences. And then patient movement. Hmm. Those are all big things. <laughs> you know, that, 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 those are not insignificant. You had um, a lot of, you know, what you've talked about is kind of that um, patient interaction that you have on a daily basis. And obviously, hospitals can be difficult places to work in. I mean, you, people... People die in hospitals. Um, my experience has been both as a, you know, as a visitor to behavioral health who's visited a patient in there and as a person who's worked construction projects in behavioral health, it's a bit different. It was always more impactful for me just on a personal level to go into a behavioral health unit, whether as a visitor or an employee. Um, do you find that, you know, working in, it ev- in, working in behavioral health on a daily basis, do you get impacted on a personal level from what you see or how do you, you know, what do you find? How do you deal with that? Yeah. You know, I, I ran into that very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in, in behavioral health, you see just like anywhere else you see um, uh, all walks of life, you know, mm-hmm. so children, adolescents, you know, geriatrics, uh, chemical dependency, you know, substance abuse, you, you see it all. And, um, but you know, what's a, maybe a, a little bit, you know, even more, um, on the emotional side is, you know, as I say, you know, a lot of the trauma that maybe, maybe some of our patients deal with, you know, that, that can really, you know, be impactful and, and make you think about things. And, you know, I had to learn, um, to think about it in a different perspective, you know, yeah, this, this person's went through a lot of trauma, you know, and, you know, maybe somebody's told you a little bit about their trauma. Uh, but, um, you know, they're there at your facility, you know, they're getting at treatment, they're getting better, you know, they're not out in their previous environment, you know, where that trauma occurred. So, um, you know, I, I had to quickly start thinking about things that way, um, to deal with that. You know, you don't really get a lot of interaction. You don't get patients coming up to you that say, you know, yeah, I went through this. You know, mm-hmm. um, that really doesn't happen. Most most of the interaction, you know, face to face is, you know, with a lot of the violent codes and stuff that happen here. You get a lot of aggressiveness and, um, you know, and that can happen at any time. So, you know, I can be walking through a unit and then, you know, get caught up in, in, in a, a psychiatric emergency, you know? Mm. So, um, 
you know, that's that's a lot of the face to face we get. You know, sometimes sometimes it's it's not bad. Sometimes, you know, we just walk through a unit and, you know, maybe the kids just want to walk up and, and you know, uh, tell you a joke or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something, yeah. you know, something like that. But um, like I said, I had to learn very quickly um, not to let those things bother me because they're in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. You must have, a, a, I mean, you do in acute care as well, but you must have a sense of mission, a sense of accomplishment in that you're making a difference, I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah. And, and that's another reason why I'm here. You know, I was at Wellstone, and I, like I said, I was out in, you know, in, in Jeff, and um, I wanted to be here. Um, and I've applied to this position. This this is actually my, my third try here. Oh, wow. Um, and it, yeah, and I finally got it. Um, and I'm glad I'm here because, you know, this is part of my community, you know, I live here. So, um, and I, I wanted to be a part of that impact in behavioral health, uh, for you know, my community. So, mm. you know, th- there is a sense of accomplishment, you know, uh, you do get, you know, a, a good feeling, um, from walking out of here and going, you know, you know, I may have, uh, played a, uh, you know, an indirect role in, you mm-hmm. know, in maybe preventing a suicide, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, those are very big things. And, you know, and really, um, uh, one of the main points of why I'm here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Preserving life. That's doesn't get much more impactful or important than that. Um, what, it's not about preserving life or, um, but I'm interested, did you ask them, um, did you ask the folks, where you are now at behavioral health, did you ask them what changed the third time for you? Was Did you have more experience? Why did they hire you this time and they hadn't before? Was it simple experience on your end or did you ever ask that? Yeah, I, I didn't ask that. I just assumed that I wasn't in the place in my career at that time that really made me attractive to them. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's that's kind of just an assumption that I made. But, um, right. Yeah, I, you I know, agree with you. Yeah. But I credit you um, to the act of perseverance because some people may not even have tried that third time, right? They may have said, okay, I tried once. I'll try a second time. That's it. They don't want me, but you, but you didn't stop, which is great. It's a testament to perseverance. Well, you know, I'm, I'm in the, the Cincinnati area. So, you know, there, there's, there's enough competition where, you know, you, you might, you might not get it you know, a couple of times. So it's especially somebody, you know, I don't, I don't have, you know, a whole, uh, I don't have 20 years under my belt, you know, so, you know, it wasn't very hard to understand why I wasn't, you know, possibly right. getting these roles. Um, so, you know, I, I do like anybody else would do, you know, you get your education, you find experiences and you keep trying. Yeah, exactly. So you have, um, you're the director of FM. You had mentioned, um, construction. Do you have construction under you as well? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, construction at the operational level, so to speak, um, is, is not nearly as intensive as, you know, maybe, um, in a general hospital. Um, Mm -hmm. we, there are projects, you know, you know, I've done some mid scale projects, um, so to speak, you know, but, but they're, they're, you know, you don't really get involved in say, you know, uh, building additions, you know, unless, you know, they're directly involved with your facility might play a little bit of a role in, 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 um, in managing contractors. Uh, but you certainly don't have a role, uh, in planning and design, um, unfortunately. So unless you're at that corporate level, uh, with, with behavioral health. So, uh, but you know, we're, we're about to embark on, on, uh, um, revamping one of our units. We want to bring in geriatrics and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different elements that we're going to have to install in that unit for that. Um, so, you know, that, you know, that's, that's all on, on me, so to speak. Um, will manage that project. Um, you know, that it's, it's, I guess you could say it's kind of generally speaking, that's kind of how it works in behavioral health. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you just don't, you just don't get super involved with, um, you know, 
like building a new hospital, you know, and you know, right. let's see we're at that corporate level, you know, mm-hmm. down here at the operational level, you know, uh, projects, most of your projects are going to be repair projects, you know. Um, so I do get to have a little bit of a, a new experience with bringing in a new service, but um, other than that, most of it's repair. So do you not have a Jerry Psych program now? Is that is this a new program? Yeah, well, they've had it here before, um, and it didn't turn out so well. Um, you know, so so we're going to be putting in, you know, of course, a large, large compliance shower and, and bringing in other elements, you know, handrails and, and nurse call and, and uh, um, a lot of a lot of that stuff. Um, we're going to be doing that um, where they they didn't really have the appropriate tools before. So this is actually round three <laughs> for geriatrics here. Wow. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I wasn't I wasn't a part of the first two, but um, you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna do it right the the third time. Third time's a charm, right? So, um, but you know we so we we serve we do um, um, uh, a child adolescent. Um, we do um, um, to serve those patients suffering from psychosis and. You know, schizophrenia, we have a unit for that. We've got substance abuse. Um, we have several adult units. We've got more than one substance uh, abuse um, unit here uh, because the need is so large in our community. But that's, you know, that's that's the scope of what we are right now. Yeah. And that, I mean, obviously, substance abuse is a problem growing wherever you go, not just... Um... Unique. I know that my brother is a. Um, I was talking to somebody earlier this morning. My brother's a funeral director. He owns a. He owns a place out here in Rhode Island. And um, I was talking to him, and he's like, "It's through the roof the the number of ODs um, that they unfortunately are seeing." And I'm sure it's the same down at your level within the acute care within the behavioral health world. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um, it's very unfortunate, very sad. Yeah, uh, it is. You know, it is. I mean, we've we've had folks. Uh, well. I think almost every behavioral health facility can say, you know, we've had somebody OD in the parking lot before. Um, and, you know, it's really, really unfortunate. In the parking problem. lot, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? I've been at more than one place and that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, they, they come in and, you know, a lot of times what happens is, is they get that last high or, um, mm. you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that last round of, you know, whatever it is they're doing. And, um, uh, before they come in and, and, and get fixed, you know, wow. <laughs> we see yeah. a lot of, yeah, we, we see a lot of patients, um, uh, that, that come in, um, with, with that, um, with that motive to get better. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and it's, you know, I can't speak from a clinical perspective, but you know, sometimes it's hard to get compliance and up back here, you know? Yes. You end up, you end up getting a lot of rebounds and, so that's it's very very difficult. We do our best to to keep that from happening, but you mm. know, and of course that's just that's that's not my <laughs> that's not my thing. But right. you know, right. yeah, you've got the you've got the building, but it becomes your thing when it's in your your parking lot. Sad. I mean, boy, it's right, sad. right. <laughs> you, um, I wanted to get back to. Um, the construction part, not the construction part. I want to ask your, uh, your facility. And I didn't ask you from a square footage perspective, uh, how big is it? So here, uh, Sun Kentucky, um, we are about 160,000 square foot. Um, that's fa- That's fairly large for an acute care psychiatric hospital. Um, adults that there's nobody, um, Outside of Louisville, that's close to us. That's as large. That has quite the, the footprint, and you know, and we're almost two hundred beds here. I think we're at one ninety-seven. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. You uh, pack, pack a lot into that footprint, huh? Yeah, yeah. We we can uh, certainly fill the needs of the community here um, within our within our walls. Um, I think the next largest is close to us. I believe it's Our Lady of Peace, you know, part of U of L. And I'm not real sure. I think there are somewhere in the three hundreds bed number. Hmm. Interesting. So it, uh, 
that keeps you busy. You've um, you've highlighted a lot of uh, a lot of differentiators. I mean, this has been really good. It's been really enlightening. Is there anything um, you know relative to to people who are considering behavioral health for people who are maybe in acute care? Considering behavioral health, maybe they're like you, though, also trying to find, you know, what do I like the best? Is there is there something about working within behavioral health that people may not be aware of? And you've provided a lot of them. I mean, even just from the ODing in the parking lot, um, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. are there are there other, right. are, you know, are there other things that people may not be aware of uh, relative to working in a behavioral health environment? Well, you know... I, you know, speaking from my experiences, you know, like I said before, I, I thought I was going to be back in acute acute care somewhere mm. yeah. or, or a general a general hospital somewhere. And then I got I got on behavioral health and it sucked. You're doing a lot of the same things that you're going to be doing in, in the general hospital. Um, you know, that's this requirement from uh, CMS for accreditation. I mean, so so you're doing a lot of the same things. Um, the difference is I think you embrace. Uh, if if you can embrace those differences, you know, with you know the the cumbersome risk assessments, you know, they got to be done. You know, behavioral health. I mean, some people would say behavioral health is all about risk assessments. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you don't talk about you know you know what yep. what is behavioral health? And you just say risk assessment. And and you know, I I think if you if as long as you keep an open mind, you can embrace the challenges. Um, uh, uh, you'll 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 fall in love with behavioral health facilities. So it, you, you talk about that risk assessment and when you were um, just talking about some of the, your, your facilities, your, your construction activities, a lot of it's repair, but you know, you're getting ready for the Jerry like, I was just thinking back to construction projects and how managing your CM within the acute care environment, you know, everything from asbestos to just ICRAs and PICRAs, how, how that's a full-time role. I'd imagine in behavioral health, even if your footprint's smaller and you're not doing the large invasive projects, You've got to be managing that at all times because one small mistake, as you've alluded to, can result in somebody taking their life. So is, is the management of your contractors and the management of those projects, how intense is that for you anytime somebody comes into your building to, to repair something? Everything, you know, where do they leave their tools? Where do they contain? Is that, is that something that you're on constantly or your staff is on constantly to manage? Yeah, so you're on the right track there. So, um, you know... That when when we bring a contractor in, and as soon as they, um, as soon as they want to go through, you know, those next set of doors that you know, brings them into a patient care area, they have to be escorted. Uh, we've at, we actually have one um, uh, one contractor who has went through. Um, we, we currently use uh, CPI crisis prevention intervention, um, and if you have CPI, you know you can. You can be. Um, you don't have to be escorted through patient patient care area. Um, you can go through that. You know they can come in, do their PMs. You know, and they don't need to. They don't need to have us with them. Uh, that that's that's not common. Um, mm-hmm. I recommend that, but it's not common. Um, but but what you, what you get a lot of times, what's really required is you know you get um, you get these log in log out sheets. You know. Um, you know, tool in, tool out, you know, you have to account for every screw um, yeah. and, and every tool um, that, that comes into your facility. Um, because, you know, the, the risk is so high, you know, uh, with, with the populations that we serve, you know, and, and even if it's not uh, a quote unquote self-harming behavior, I mean, it, it, if, you, if you leave, you know, um, if you leave it just, I don't know, it's just a simple piece of plastic, uh, you know, out on uh, one of the units. I mean, I mean, I don't know. They might think it's candy and and, and eat it. You know, right? <laughs> right. They might, they might have no intentions of cutting themselves or, or hurting anybody. You know, but I mean, they just because you know uh, because of whatever reason they're here. You know, um, you know, it can be harmful. So um, it, it's it's a very strenuous process if a contractor wants to come in without escort. Um, but you know. Uh, any other time they're, they're, they're in here with escorts. Um, and, and as far as construction goes, it's very hard. It, you know, like the, the challenges that, that I mentioned before with the ECRAs and the plastic and all that and barriers, um, 
the, the problem is, is we have to somehow isolate that construction area mm-hmm. um, and barriers with, you know, uh, uh, in regards to patient safety. So, um, you know, I can create an anteroom, a hard or, a, you know, a hard wall barrier mm-hmm. and be, be constructed just like any other wall within the hospital. But because it's a new wall and it's, it's sticking out like a sore thumb, uh, they're going to, you know, it, it'll be, it'll, uh, it'll be, they'll make it into a punching bag, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it's, yeah. Point, you know, it's something new, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to punch it, you knock holes in it, you know, they're, they're going to be, you mm-hmm. know, looking around, you know, digging around for maybe trying to dig a screw out of the drywall, you know, it, it's just, it's really, really tough. So, yeah. um, you know, and that's, that's where I think when we pull from different experiences from, from other FNs and behavioral health that have been doing this a long time, um, I, I, I feel like, um, that's, that's going to be the, the preferred method to try to combat, um, a lot of these, a lot of these uh, questions that we need answers for. Yep. Yep. No, that's a, that's a great answer. And, and, um, just for folks, as we're wrapping up, coming to the close of this high reliability podcast, I'm talking to Justin Givens. Justin's the director of facility services at Sun Behavioral Health, uh, in Erlanger, Kentucky, Sun Behavioral Health, Kentucky, in Erlanger, Kentucky. Justin has, uh, provided Great information and, and great insight into the behavioral health environment as he transitioned into behavioral health. But Justin, I wanted to ask, and, and I think if I didn't ask, we both know Mike Canales at Owensboro Community College, a community and technical college. He could be the greatest sales salesman ever. Mike was on the podcast late last year. You're going through the program now. Um, you're going to graduate from the program from a student perspective and from a student who's working full-time and has continued to work full-time. Can you tell us a bit about, a bit, a bit about the program? Well, you know, I think Mike, Mike, uh, quoted me, um, on that podcast. Um, I actually listened in to that. Oh, he did. What did he, (laughs) he quoted a lot of people. What did he say about you? Uh, it was about, um, uh, he, he, I think he had mentioned somebody building a hospital down in Florida. And then he had, uh, he, he mentioned, um, what I'd said about the program, you know, flattening the lear- learning curve. Mm-hmm. And, and I still, you know, I'm, I'm finishing up the program and I still think that way, you know, yeah. um, I've been in a program out, outside of the position that I'm in now. I've been in the program within this position that I'm in now. And, um, wow, <laughs> it really, really helps. You know, I could really, I can really vouch for what Mike says when he says, uh, you know, um, it, it, it helps to uh, really accelerate that learning process from that six to nine years or, or uh, you know, the three survey cycles down to maybe one or two. Hmm. You know, so, yep. you know, Mike's Mike's great. Like you said, you know, greatest salesman in the world. I mean, that, that guy can really talk. <laughs> you know, he's a great speaker. <laughs> You don't have to say anything. I said to him when we were talking, I, I, I had to jump in because he would just keep going and he laughs. I mean, he knows, right? He can, you can just wind him up and he'll go. Um, but it's insightful. Oh, yeah, too, yeah. Which He loves to talk, which I like to have people on who love to talk because that means I have to talk less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and Mike's very passionate and, you know, kind of it, when he speaks, it can kind of, you know, you kind of get sucked into that passion and that's great, yes. you know? Yep. So, you know, and, and, uh, really keeps you engaged. Um, but you know, how I really found, um, HFL was, was through some leaders over at St. Joe East, um, Randy French and, um, Oh, uh, uh I'm spending a little a bit now I'm starting to lose names. Uh, Spencer Hammond, those, those guys were real advocates of the HFL program. Um, without those, without those cats, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have got in, or at least I wouldn't have got in as early as I did. Um, and, and that's, that's where outside of this role, um, I got that HFL experience and I was able to pull from those experiences. It really prepared me to take on this job and walk into it and, and, and be competent enough, um, um, to do, uh, day to day and, and do these projects and, you know, all the stuff that encompasses this position. So um, I encourage anyone and everyone, you know, even 
even if you're not looking to get into the role of facility management, um, take a look at it. You know, uh, Mike, I think, has uh, just started an HFO, uh, healthcare facilities orientation, maybe, or um, uh, don't quote me on that, but it's forced just that, you know. So, and I think he's had some pretty good success out of it, but, um, you know, it. It's the only program that I know out there. Um, there may be others. Well, I know it's the only program specifically for healthcare facilities. Right. Right. You know? Exactly. And, exactly. And, and they really, they, they, uh, they've geared their program where your instructors either are, are in the field or they've spent many, many years in the field. And uh, so that, that really helps, too, because you, you oftentimes are getting on the phone with these, you know, what are you what are you talking about here? Because, you know, being that virtual platform, that can be tough sometimes. So, you know, great program. I encourage anybody, um, you know, with any level of interest, if, you know, either either tech or 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 director, VP, um, you know, at any level, these uh, really needs to get in the program, uh, really helps straighten that, that learning curve. Yeah, no, that's a great testament to to the program Mike has built. Whenever I see him at um, at the Ashy Annual Conference, hopefully this year, who knows? Obviously, it wasn't last year, but whenever I saw him in the past at the Ashy Annual, he o- he always reminds me of kind of like the Pied Piper. You know, he's got the people, <laughs> he's got his desk, and then he's got the people following him, and he's just uh, he is constantly evangelizing for that. So that's good to hear. Um, Justin, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. No, thank you, Peter. I was um, really glad to be able to speak to you today. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. So that wraps up our session of high reliability. Again, thanks to Justin Givens, Director of Facility Services, Sun Behavioral Health, Kentucky, in Erlanger, Kentucky. This is Peter Martin from Goslin Martin Associates. We will be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of High Reliability in the interim. Go check out our job openings or check out our website. But thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.